Amen. Uh, I, I was privileged to have a, the greatest dad in the world. Amen. Um, wasn't perfect. No one is, but he was. The thing about my dad that was amazing always was he was always present. And, you know, guys, uh, as fathers, that's sometimes the best thing you can be. Because if you're a dad in this room or you're going to be a dad one day in this room, you're not, you're not ever going to be perfect. Don't even try. But you should always be present. Amen. And I want to read you a few statistics before we talk this morning about fathers. And um, I was starting to, I was thinking this week about what I was going to talk about about Father's Day. I'm like, I'm about out of Father's sermons, man, because of the garrison. If you're, if you're a man in this room and you've never been to one of our garrison meetings on Wednesday nights, you are absolutely missing the most amazing thing, the most amazing thing we do at this church for men, Un- undoubtedly, Un- without question. And if you've never read it, I invite you before you leave today to read the, the garrison oath. That's, that's what we're doing. That's what we're about, is, is developing into mighty men of God. Amen. In the United States, there are more than 64 million men who identify themselves as being a father. 64 million fathers in the United States of America. Out of that figure, only 26.5 million men are a part of a home where they are married to a spouse and have children under the age of 18. The epidemic that faces our nation, the epidemic that faces our country is an epidemic of fatherlessness. Now, you've got to understand, that's the number that are actually in the house. You can half that for the ones that are actually involved. Maybe more. Because I, you need to understand something, men. Your job is not to sit on a sofa and be quiet while your wife raises the kids. You may not know this, but you will after we finish. The most important voice in your children's lives is you. God made you to be the spiritual authority and the spiritual head of your home, and you are the most important voice. Your little girl sitting next to you. The way she's going to know how a man's supposed to treat a woman is from her daddy. Men, how we treat our wives is how our sons will treat their wives and how our daughters will think they're supposed to be treated by a man. If you're a guy who's ever talked to me very much, I've said this to you if you have a daughter. How would you treat a man who talks to your daughter the way you talk to your wife? And if it's I would kill them, then you're talking to your wife wrong. But I read that statistic so you could hear these statistics. I'm not going to read all of them. There's lists and lists, but I'm going to read a few of them. Only 68% of children will spend their entire childhood with an intact family. 75% of rapists are motivated by displaced anger that is associated with feelings of abandonment that involves their father. Living in a fatherless home is a contributing factor to substance abuse with children from such homes accounting for 75% of adolescent patients being treated in substance abuse centers. 75% 75% of adolescents, adolescents with drug and alcohol problems come from, fatherlessness, from fatherless homes. 75%. Three out of every four teenagers who struggle with alcohol or drug abuse come from a home without a father. 
85% of all children which exhibit some type of behavioral disorder come from fatherless homes. 85% of children with behavioral problems come from homes without fathers. Y'all starting to see there's a purpose for dads? 90% of the youth in the United States who decide to run away from home or become homeless for any reason originally come from a fatherless home. 90%. 63% of youth suicides involve a child who is living in a fatherless home when they made their final decision. 63% of suicides. See, society wants to, society, the, the, the world around us wants to destroy fathers. See, I remember, I remember, I've watched enough Nick at Night to watch the reruns of the old shows. The old shows, The Father Knows Best, The Brady Bunch, the shows where they made the men actually involved competent humans. But then we got in the generation I actually grew up in when you got the Al Bundys of the world, the Homer Simpsons of the world. You don't think that was on purpose? To make the husband look like some idiot who couldn't get in out of the rain, who had no sense to do anything, didn't care about being with his family, didn't care about his home, complained about his marriage. See, we went from the leave it to beaver dads to the Al Bundy dads, and now the new generation stuff's coming out. There aren't any dads at all. The principal rock and foundation of a home is the man. Y'all need to hear what I'm telling you. I I, I tell these young guys all the time, I said, listen, here is the way that the good Lord made women to be. You ready? They are like this. It is the nature of a woman. There is nothing wrong with it. It is what makes them nurturing. It is what makes them have a lot of the qualities they have. The problem is we've raised this young generation of sissy boys that think they're supposed to match the the emotions of their wife. Try to catch up on that. But see, here is the problem. When she's doing this and he's doing this, you know what God made men to do? This. This, there is supposed to be a foundational feature of a home. And that foundational feature, I said about my daddy was present. My dad was steady. If, if anyone who's known my dad a long time, you would never know the difference between whether or not my dad's life was going well or whether my dad's life was in absolute, just, just turbulence and chaos because he was exactly the same. And so Jana said we had this, 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 we had this, this rock this to fall back on. Because as a kid, it didn't matter what was going on in my life. I knew my dad was going to be steady. See, what's happening in our homes is there's no stabilizing force. See, my mom and me and Jana, we could be going at each other about stuff, and this is how my dad would argue. You could, we, could, we could be having a pure knockdown drag out, and my dad would do this. And then it got real bad, he'd do this. That was dad. He'd talk to you about anything. He wouldn't holler with you. 
He wouldn't argue. He would, if, if, if daddy raised his voice, you just need to leave. <laughs> but he was this stabilizing factor in our home. Because it's what God made him to be. The reason we have so many unstable children in our world is because we don't have stable dads. We have too many dads that are worried about what they want to do and what they want of life, out of life instead of raising their children. See, I remember my dad loved to do one thing. He loved to fish. My daddy loved to, I mean, my daddy loved to fish. And, but when I was a kid, he didn't fish. Dad didn't have hobbies. People are always worried about how many hobbies we can have as men. Listen, when my dad, when we were little kids, my daddy had one hobby, and that was whatever we were doing, he needed to be there to do it. And the other hobby he had was working in the kingdom of God. That was it. I couldn't have told you. I didn't even know my dad loved to fish until I got old enough that we were taking care of ourselves, and he got to go fishing with a man in our church. And then dad bought a boat, and he and I fished. And the, 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 greatest, the, greatest, thing I, I, the greatest treasure I have from my father is... The hours and hours and hours that he and I spent fishing. And, and to be honest with you, most of that time we just spent fishing. We didn't talk. We just fished. But I, I have those moments with him that I'll never forget. But when we were younger, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. And like I said, I didn't even know he liked to fish. Because the most important thing was his family. You see men chasing all kinds of things, and none of it matters. None of it matters. I was so happy when J.D. got old enough that he wanted to go hunting. Because that meant I could hunt again. I didn't hunt when he was little. Number one, if y'all don't know, hunting's expensive. <laughs> you find it out, ain't you? Yeah, you just didn't know. You had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, you fixed to learn because this year you got to do food plots. Oh, yeah, you don't even know. But when J.D. got old enough to hunt, I could hunt again. Loved it. But when he was little, it wasn't an option. He didn't want to go. So what was I supposed to do? Be with him. Be with him. But I want to go over just a few verses about what, what being a dad means. It is being a husband and a father is the joy of my life. The two people in life I like to spend the most time with are my wife and my son. I'm kind of a hermit otherwise. But in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 says this, when David's, when David's time to die was near, actually I'll tell you what, let's start at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 16, sorry about that. This verse is so powerful, and, and it, it is probably one of the most needed verses in our world today, and it's for every man in this room, whether you're a father, whether you're a husband yet, still for you. And it says this, verse, chapter 16, verse 13 of 1 Corinthians says, Be alert and on your guard. Be alert and on your guard. How I many you know as a man, you can't just walk through this life? Ooh. 
This young man here, young man over here, I'm going to call you young, Bobby, but it's okay. These two men, they were here for a baby dedication this morning. They were given a great responsibility, and that is to guard the life of that child. And not just from people who want to harm that child physically, but from spiritual attacks, from all those. You, you were given this job, but see, if you're going to guard that child, you have to be alert. See, as a father, as a father, as a man in our world, you cannot afford to just walk through life being blindsided by the things you don't see coming. See, I, I think about, we, we have these horrific school shootings that have gone on in our world. And I think about the very first one that got notoriety that I remember was Columbine High School. And you had those young men, and they had built pipe bombs, and they had all these different things. And the first thing I remember thinking when I was young when that happened, I remember thinking, there's no way that would happen in my daddy's house. Because if I'd have locked myself in the garage for 12 hours, my daddy would have known what was going on in his garage. There's no way. I can promise you this, there's no way. If I would have shut the door and gone anywhere for 12 hours, my dad would have opened that door. <laughs> there's no doubt about it, he would have opened that door. You know why? Because he understood the importance of being alert. Being alert. See, I love how we have these things happen with kids and people are like, I never knew anything was going on. Listen, if you're a father, your kids ought not be able to get away with stuff without you knowing it's going on. I mean, J.D. was always such a good kid, but I think at some point he just gave up. Because I remember telling him when he was about 11 or 12, I said, son, listen to what I'm fixing to tell you. No matter what you try to do, I've done it, and I did it better. He unfortunately, had a, he unfortunately was, was, was born with a father who was not always the best behaved kid. And I knew exactly what he was thinking before he ever started thinking it. But you can't be a man in this world. You can't be a father or a husband in this world unless you're willing to be alert and be on guard. You know why our world has gotten in the place that it's gotten? Because men stop being alert and on guard. In, in, in the garrison, we talk about being watchmen on the wall. Watchman on the wall. The watchman on the wall is watching for danger and willing to sound the alarm when he sees danger. Your kids, the children you have entrusted to you, they are counting on you. The thing that's always awesome to me about a little baby, they don't know nothing. They don't. Everybody's like, I wonder what they're thinking. They're not thinking nothing. They're thinking, when does the next bottle get here and my butt is wet or dirty? That's all they're thinking. That's it. That's it. That's the whole thing. Oh, look, they're smiling. They're not smiling. They got gas. They were looking right at me. Yeah, you bring them their food. And they're trying to communicate to you before they have to start screaming that they are wet or dirty. That's it. But the most amazing thing about babies is this. They're just trusting. Do you know when, 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 when Sean and Alex or Hope and Bobby go out in public, neither one of those babies ever consider danger? Never occurs to them. Because they have parents who are alert and on guard. But see, you can't walk through life Letting life kick you in the face. Because, see, when life kicks Alex in the face, it kicks Shauna and Asher in the face. 
When life kicks Bobby in the face, that married and baby stuff's different, ain't it, bro? That's different, ain't it? Yeah, you get up, you get up, and every day's a little different than it was before. Every day's a little different. Y'all finally getting to sleep some, though, huh? See, that's, that's a plus, isn't it? Yeah. I got unfortunate news. This is about the only time you're going to sleep. So enjoy it right now. And this is the easy season. Like I told y'all last week or a week or two ago, when you sit them down now, they can't go nowhere. They're right there. You ain't got to chase them. Be alert and on your guard. Stand firm in your faith. We talked about standing firm in your faith Wednesday night in the garrison. Like We really, really, really talked about it. I will tell you, if you don't come on Wednesday nights, we don't talk about little fluffy issues. There's no fluffy issues in our men's meeting. We get down to business. And Wednesday night, I, I think I was even in rare form for me. Stand firm in your faith, your conviction respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. Keep the trust and holy fervor born of faith and a part of it. Act like men and be courageous. Grow in strength. Honestly, I think right now if I could stand out and yell to where everyone in our town could hear me, what I would say is, act like men. Act like men. Grow in strength. You know what, guys, as men, you're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be bold and courageous. You're not supposed to be this passive, sissified person. Is that too much? Probably not. It's going to get better. I mean, the Bible says, be a man. Act like a man. Conduct yourself like a man. Be strong and courageous. You know there's no place in the Scriptures to allow a man to walk around fearful? See, you know what? You won't ever worry have to struggle with being fearful again. I can talk open to you because you know me and you were like that. And you don't care what I say. You, you struggle with fear half your life. Now you won't ever again because you can't afford to. You can't afford to. Fear will no longer be a part of your life ever again. You can't afford to. Once you have a child, once you have a wife and a child, you don't get the luxury of being afraid. Well, Pastor Johnny, no, there ain't no well, Pastor Johnny. You don't get the luxury. Man, I know, I know men, I know men who, I'm not kidding you, I'm, not, I'm telling you the God's honest truth. I know men who their wives have to kill the bugs. <laughs> Young ladies, if you start dating a man who you, who you have to kill the bugs, stop dating that man immediately. Because at that point, you do not have a boyfriend. You have a girlfriend. You need to stop dating him immediately. I'm telling you the truth. 
I know men who run screaming from a bug and their wife will have to kill it. That is ridiculous. Well, you don't know it's from when I was, I don't care, you ain't a kid no more. Paul says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. If you was afraid of bugs as a child, go squish you a bug. Well, that's from when I was a child. Okay, so what? You're not a child anymore, you're a man. If you're a woman or a young lady and you have to do the guy things, if you have to change his tire, once again, you do not have a boyfriend, you have a girlfriend. I don't even understand the generation of people we have. The guys that look like lumberjacks and can't change a tire. That's right. <laughs> I mean, for the love of God. For the love of God, you see guys walking around and they got beards down to here wearing flannel shirts and they couldn't change a tire or hammer a nail if you was going to shoot them at sunrise. If you start dating a guy, young lady, and he's got a long beard, take him out and make him change your tire. And if you can't change your tire, tell him to go shave his face and quit growing a fake counterfeit man hair. Every time I see guys like that, I'm like, quit being a counterfeit man. Beards are reserved for those who can change tires. If you have to defend his feelings... I'm going to camp here just a minute. I just feel stuck here. If you're spending time defending his feelings or if you have to coddle him because you hurt his feelings, if you say something unkind to him, drop him. Get rid of him. I could say this with absolute certainty and she will back me up. My wife has never had to apologize to me for hurting my feelings. Now, I have made many apologies. Many apologies for hurting my wife's feelings, and every one of them was warranted, and every one of them she deserved. But I have never asked her to apologize for hurting my feelings. You know why? I am a grown man. Well, Pastor John, nope, 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 it's Father's Day. I ain't even listening. There's no, well, what about, nope, no, what about, none of that. I feel sorry for young ladies trying to find a husband. The pool is shallow, man. Now, while y'all amen and don't make me, I, I can't on Father's Day switch this thing over and talk about how few of godly women there are out there for men, too, if you want me to. I mean, th there is a vacancy there as well. Young ladies, if he goes to hold the door open for you or open your car door and you get aggravated, that is a you problem, not a him problem. We have young men in this church that we are training how to be men of God, and when they act like one, if you don't let them act like one, I call you out just like I call them out. I open the door for my wife. You know why I honor my wife? You know why I open the door for my wife and why you should open the door for your wife and any woman who comes around you? You may not understand this, but the reason why you hold a door is because as a man, it's your job to make sure it's safe in front of them and safe behind them. If my wife enters a room, I know for sure and certain that where she is going is safe for her to go and ain't nobody following behind her. 
I got to keep moving. I get stuck. Act like men and be courageous and grow in strength. 1 Kings 2 says this, When David's time to die was near, he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. Be strong and show yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God. Walk in his ways. Keep his statutes, his commandments, his precepts, and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses, that you may do wisely and prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. When David was fixing to die, he brought Solomon in. He said, listen, son. He said, this mantle now rests on you. But he said, this is what he, this is what he spoke over his children. At that age right there, every single morning should start with you speaking over that baby. At that age right there, every single morning of your life should start with you speaking blessings over that baby. And this is what he told Solomon. He said, keep the charge of the Lord your God. If you're, if you're a father, mark this down. Just start with this. If you don't know what to pray over him, start right here. Keep the charge of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Keep his statutes. Keep his commandments. Keep his precepts. Keep his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses that you may do wisely and prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. What a prayer for our children. What a prayer for our children. You know, as Jason prays that over Aniah, that is the voice that she hears. And the day will come when he won't be here no more. If Jesus tarries, he won't be here no more. But let me tell you what, those words, those words will always be there. I can close my eyes anywhere I am and hear the voice of my daddy. I'm fortunate because the dad that I had spoke good words over me. Everybody in this room wasn't that way. Some of you guys in here, man, you didn't have a dad who spoke the words of life over you. But you are the Abraham generation. Something's got to change the lineal words over you. You turn that around. You see a faith that your kids grow. Generation. Just train up a child. What? They will not depart from. Do you know, Cody, the best chance? Then the things of God, complete and total moron when I was, did every, the thing I never could outrun was my, every night, man, in my bed, you know, it came back to me, my, people, in, listen to me now, the response, Bobby, when you were in, trained and trained and some more and trained some more, but the person, when you were in some type of a situation. They were trained until that muscle member was there. When they get old, they can't out what I was doing or where I was, how I was. I tell you, if your children don't want to make them, training process with Johnson and Anthony said his friend who spent the night with them on. You know why? Because, see, by the time I was, fighting, you didn't say, "Dad, I," and I didn't want to go to youth group. You're like, well, I don't know if my kid. They, my daddy used to say this, son, my table, you're going to do what I, I don't want to go, dad. Do. And I could say, son, he could say, son. that's training. I'm not yelling at a kid. Holler at your kid, but all you end up with, they will never come to you with anything. You train your children. I've told some of y'all this before. I told the men's group, kids need to be perfect. I thought he was supposed to be perfect. He is perfect. 
He was not one of these that let kids act. act. You ought to be able to take your child differently. But that much pressure for perfection to lead in the direction that you want to discipline them. Yep. What's up, Cuddy Mac? I was going to give y'all a chance. I mean, if y'all need to answer it, it's fine. I mean, it may be important. Who knows? But fathers, if you let the mother discipline the child, you're failing. You're failing. Yeah, I, I, it don't get comfortable. You have a responsibility to the child that God entrusted you to discipline and raise that child. Because here's the situation. You're not raising a child, you're raising an adult. And if you end up with a fully undisciplined teenager... I remember when I was, I don't know, about 17 or something, my mom and I were in an argument. And I mean, y'all got to imagine the argument between me and my mama. My daddy one time defined it. He told my mama, he said, you look like a chihuahua dog yelling at him. (laughs) But in fairness, I was three inches taller than my mom when I was 10 years old. By the time I was 17, I was about an inch shorter than I am right now. Mama's five foot two. (laughs) And I used to, when I was in high school, I used to have fun. I'd just pick mom up and just lift her up over the top of my head, walk around the house with her. I've carried her through the church for you, holding her straight up over the top of my head. Yeah, she said. But we were in an argument, and I was just going to leave. I was tired of her hollering at me about something. She's right, but, you know, whatever. She was grappling at me about something, so I just go get in the truck and leave. So I go to leave, and my mama stands right in the door of my bedroom. And I'm like, Mama, that ain't fair. Because she knew I wouldn't move her. Because I had been trained and raised to have too much respect for my mama. She knew I wouldn't pick her up and move her out of the way. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, I could just move you out of the way. I pick you up all the time. But she just stood in the door. She said, we're going to finish talking. I'm like, I don't want to talk no more. She said, well, I'm not moving. I said, dadgummit, well, I can't move you. His daddy will kill me. He couldn't have killed me by then, but I just knew. I, just, I, I had been taught. Because I had heard this more times than I could count. Son, don't sass your mother. Listen, you did not at any time talk to my dad's wife. She was my mama, but she was his wife. And so I was taught and trained to have that respect because there were certain things you just were not allowed to do. Did anybody grow up in that kind of house? Anybody grow up, yeah, grow up with a dad? They just certain things you just were not allowed to do. You see, nowadays, nobody, everybody just does whatever they want to. Kids do whatever they want to. Man, when we were kids, going out to eat was like a, a privilege. And we were told in advance what we could order. There were certain things on the menu. You could get that. I'll never forget. I guess I was probably nine or ten, and we used to go to Po Folks. I love Po Folks. Anybody like Po Folks? Yeah, Pofos is good now. I remember when I was in high school, they had that all-you-could-eat steak, chicken, or fish, and you could swap it around. Listen, let me tell you something. When I was in high school, I, I put a hurting on that place. Hurting on that place. But we were at Pofos, and I ordered the Minner dinner. <laughs> it was a child's fish dinner. 
They brought it out there. Listen, it was not even the five loaves and the two fish. It was these two little old pieces of fish, a little biscuit, like four for them french fries. So I throw them things down real quick. I'm just sitting there. My daddy says, son, are you still hungry? Yes, sir. So he ordered me another minute dinner. That was my last time of eating on the child's plate. But you got, you're told you can get this or this. Now, you see three-year-old kids yelling at their parents. You see children deciding what's going to happen. Listen, here's how we picked where we were going to eat. Wherever my daddy wanted to go. That's how we picked dinner. Wherever my daddy wanted to go. You know why? He was a dad. See, now it's like we have people in the church like, are we going to let kids eat first? No, your kids are going to eat last. You know why? They're kids. You know how I grew up? We ate last. You know why we ate last? We was kids. You say, why does it matter? Because it's part of the training process. Because what we have now, and I, I'm just going to meddle. I don't care. I, oh, I am. I don't care. We're just going to have like we'd have in men's group. We have an entire generation of children that think they're more important than they are. You know why? Because we have parents who haven't trained them. I'm not telling you your kid's not a gift. They are a gift. I'm not telling you your kid's not important. They are important. But if you teach a kid they're the most important being on planet Earth, they will be the worst adult you've ever seen. They will be the worst adult that you have ever seen. You say, what does that mean? It means sometimes as a father, it's your job to make your child uncomfortable. They don't like that. Who cares? Who cares? I can tell you that John L. Franklin Sr. never really cared what I liked. It was not an important part of his child-rearing process. My, my likes and dislikes were never all that important to my dad in that regard. He loved me. He wanted me to be happy. But if what he had to do or what I needed to have done in my life didn't make me happy, he was perfectly content with me not being happy. My dad has gone to bed a many a night perfectly content with me being aggravated and mad at him in my bedroom. Now, if he was wrong, he'd tell me he was wrong. But if he was right, be mad if you want to, son. My dad said, you can get glad in the same pair of britches you got mad in. Do what? Oh, yeah. Didn't bother him a bit. You know why? Because he didn't want to raise a brat. You know, as a father, you have an obligation to all society and to God to not raise a brat. If you're a father and your kid's a brat, it's not his mom's fault. It's his dad's fault. I don't know if my kid's a brat. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You know when your kid's being a brat. If you don't, you need to pray. God will show you. Well, ain't nobody got woodsheds left, but they, they, should, they sure need some. So how does that work? Like this. Ephesians 6 and 4, I'm, I'm almost finished. Like I said, I was about out of material. We had so many good nights, I've been fighting in the garrison. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up, look at this, in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. 
It says, don't provoke your children to anger. What does that mean? It means don't get a yelling fight with your kids. So you know how that normally happens? I'm going to let you all in a little secret. You know how that normally happens? Whenever you put up with too much. I'm going to get right where we live. Typically what happens, the reason you get into a provoking conversation with your children or an angry conversation with your children is because you've already put up with too much crap. Yep, I said crap in church. If that shocked you, you must be a visitor. I will also regularly reference people and children as jackasses sometimes, so be ready for that. I, I am. Listen, before I got off social media about seven or eight years ago, I put a post one time and said, Lord, make me more like Jesus rather than the jackass he rode in on. But it happens because we, go, we, we, let, we get pushed too far. How many of you ever just tried your best not to have to get on to your kid? Tried your best not to have to get on to your kid. And then finally, we must be preaching in Cody's living room this morning. Here's the thing, Bubba. You got small kids, but we've all been there. How many of you ever, how many of you got on your kids so many times in one day you felt bad getting on to them the next time? And it's like, good Lord, kid. I feel like that was probably my mama's life. My God, son. How many times? School gets out in the summertime, it was even worse. How many times, son, am I going to have to get on to you for that? Jana said seven times 70. Yeah, I imagine my mama had to employ the, the, the Simon Peter philosophy of forgiveness for raising me. Actually, I heard the funniest song the other day. There's a, a country song that's out, Mama, and it's funny because it says, My mama raised the hell out of me. <laughs> and as soon as I heard the, the chorus of the song, I said, That's my mama. My mama sure did. She raised the hell out of me. But that happens, that, 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 that provoking them to anger happens whenever you let it go too far. Because it says it's not what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to provoke to anger. You're supposed to raise them in the discipline and the knowledge and the instruction of the Lord. So what does that mean? It means if you have your child and they're doing something that they're not supposed to be doing, you don't get mad and holler at them. You sit them down and you explain to them. I'm going to say something, and it's not possible because no one ever does it, but it should be possible to raise a child without raising your voice at them at all. It should be. It won't be. So, I mean, you're going, you're going to yell at your kids. Every person in this room yelled at your kids. There's no doubt. If you're sitting in this room and you tell me you've never yelled at your kids, I'm going to tell you you're either a liar or you're paying no attention to your children. Because <laughs> children are smelly Petri dishes that don't listen. <laughs> that is what that is. There are smelly Petri dishes that don't listen. If you raise boys, they are very smelly Petri dishes that don't listen. I'll never forget when we found out that J.D. was at the time where he needed deodorant. Because he came walking in the house and he was either cooking onions and peppers. He had either just made a nice batch of homemade vegetable soup or it was time for some deodorant. One of those two things. 
Oh, it's terrible. You teach kids things you don't think you ever have to teach them. Wait till you start teaching a little boy how he's supposed to get a shower. You got to smell check them. They'll get in the shower and play. Run around in it, come out there, still stink as bad as they did when they got in there. I've JD come to me. He's, he's next door helping kids' church. He ain't getting the embarrassment of this. Come here, son, lift your arm. Nope, you need to go back in there. You missed some things. Say, boy, you stink as bad as you did when you went in there. What is going on here? What is going on here? Oh, yeah. And listen, then they, you know, fortunately, we taught J.D. when he was young how to take a good bath. But you got kids nowadays, J.D. Said, J.D. can't smell anybody wearing Axe body spray without thinking about middle school. <laughs> because every middle school boy for a long time smelled like Axe body spray and feet. <laughs> Feet's the nice term for what I wanted to say. It's like, that is not covering that. Stop that. <laughs> but kids are difficult. Kids are challenging. They're tough to deal with. I mean, listen, Jason and Jessica, they have the sweetest little girl in the world. I love her, but I know sometimes y'all want to pinch your heads off. You want to pinch your head off. Just come here. Come here. Stop doing that. Just want to look at Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> when you get to the stop it phase, you have let it go too long. And then you, have time, then you have the phase my mom did every now and then. Just go in the room, shut the door, just leave us. <laughs> and that, that continued on until we were a lot older. I mean, one time my mama, she left, we were eating at a Shoney's. Me and Bill were grown. Well, Bill was grown. I was, what, I don't know, about 18 or something, 17, 18. We was at a Shoney's in North Carolina. We were visiting my grandma. My mama got so mad at us, she just got up, went and sat in the car. She literally left the table. She said we were grown. She couldn't do anything about it, so she just left. I mean, she just got her stuff, picked her stuff up, and just walked out the door. I'm like, Mama, leaving, I guess. So, I mean, they say frustrating. We deserved it. But, I mean, in fairness, that was the slowest Shoney's that's ever existed. Now, i got to tell you some of the story, and I'll be done. We were at Shoney's, and this dude come walking up, and the dude was so high, it was ridiculous. I mean, our waiter was incredibly stoned. <laughs> and I mean, sometimes if you got someone who's really stoned, you just got to mess with them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just got to mess with them. And I mean, this dude, I mean, he was like stopping at the stop, uh, stop signs stoned. I mean, he was, you know, waiting on the stop sign to turn kind of stoned. I mean, he was bad. And he comes walking up, his little tablet, or his little paper tablet. And we've been sitting at the table for about 20 minutes. He finally brings our water out to us. And I think the thing Mom got really mad about was this guy. Bill and I are already just, just clowned on this dude incessantly. And he has no idea because he is, he is completely out of it. He says, can I take your order? I said, I know for sure I do not want the slow-cooked pot roast. <laughs> My mom says, Johnny. I said, I tell you what, I said, here's the deal, Chief. I said, what can you get to me short of an hour? Based on my current experience here, I know my food's going to take a while. What can get here in less than an hour? I mean, I'm not kidding you. We could have ordered Domino's pizza. They could have delivered it to the Shoney's twice as fast as we got our food. But, Chris, this dude was high. I mean, high. I mean, it was bad, bad. 
But that's, so mom walked out. But I said that to say this. If you have boys, they're probably never going to totally grow out of it. And what really gets bad is when you as the dad joins in with the boy. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you this. Be careful. Careful because you will get blamed by the mom. I'll tell you all a funny story. Oh, I got to tell a story. Because it, 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 it led to the best Father's Day card ever been given. Got up one morning, been asleep all night, had to take a leak. Well, Jana was, per her usual station in our bathroom, camped out there for two and a half hours, putting on spackle and fixing her hair. <laughs> Listen, we'll be at the house sometimes, and I'm getting dressed, and Brandy will have her stuff spread out all the way across double vanity. And I got this little space over here, and I'm trying to get dressed. She goes, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, I don't worry about it. I'm used to it. I grew up that way. <laughs> Ain't no problem. So I get up, man. I had to pee. Well, Dad's in the other bathroom. Janice, like I said, spackling and spraying and everything. And so I just go in the backyard take a leak. Hey, listen, that is one of the joys of being a man. So, Jana's over here. Jesus, help us. <laughs> They're used to it. It's fine. So I come back inside. Well, my mom meets me at the door, and she is hot. What are you doing? Peeing. <laughs> In my yard? <laughs> yes, ma'am. And she just goes off. She says, I don't even know what she said after that because it was just, <laughs> just going off. Y'all like, your mom's too sweet. Y'all don't even know. <laughs> just going off. And my poor dad, man, he just, he just, his first, I mean, it's her first thing in the morning. He just finally walks in there. He's scratching his head, coming to get a cup of coffee. Comes around the corner and he says, Dolores, what did the boy do? And mama turns right at day and says, he peed in the yard, and you taught him how to do it. <laughs> to which my mother's frustration is then turned directly toward my father. Oh, no, I just rattled out the door. Listen, when dad went under that bus, he was taking the bumps by himself. I was gone. So like the next year, I found a Father's Day card, and it started out by saying to the man who taught me how to pee in the yard. So I bought it for him. He opened it. He read it. Mom read it. She was like, still never got funny to mom. Yeah, it's funny now. It's funny now. She says, not really. It's not really funny. Not really funny. We got to have a little bit of fun since we're talking about how serious it is. And yes, my dad did teach me how to pee in the yard. But he also taught me how to be a man. He taught me how to love a wife. He taught me how to raise children. He taught me how to serve the kingdom of God. So I mean, mom, that's a pretty good change off. All those good things for teaching me how to pee in the yard. It's only unnecessary to you. It was very necessary to me. (laughs) Y'all stand with me. I won't ever get done now. Now I'm off into...